0: I'm able to remember all those little sacrifices and all those little things that I've done well that I've, I can honestly look in the mirror and say, I've prepared myself to the best of my ability and there's no what ifs, you know, there's no second guessing because all the work has been put in and then some, you know, I didn't just work hard when I was in the pool. I took that extra 15 minutes to stretch out after practice before I laid on the couch. So I would imagine that it probably applies to other
1: things as well. welcome to champions mojo weekly podcast where your hosts kelly palace and maria parker share with you what it takes to be a champion kelly is a former division one head swim coach olympic trials qualifier and holds masters world and national swimming records and maria holds world records in endurance cycling and was the overall women's winner of the world's toughest bike race race across america they'll be sharing their personal stories and wisdom along with interviewing other champions to give you the tools you need for becoming a true champion in your own life. And now, your host, Kelly Palace.
2: Hello, friends. Welcome to the Champions Mojo podcast, where today we'll be talking with an amazing Olympic champion who is pioneering the vocation and business of being a professional swimmer in a most innovative and engaging way. It's none other than Cody Miller, who, besides winning gold, and bronze medals at the 2016 Olympics. He has six world championship medals, has set eight American records, and had a stellar NCAA career at the University of Indiana. Cody is a member of Team Tier, the swimsuit that's always in front. He's also a member of the D.C. Trident Pro Swim Team, competing in the International Swimming League. There's more on Cody coming, but before we go there, I want to say hello to my co-host, Maria Parker.
3: Hello, Maria. Hi Kelly. As a couple of athletes and business women ourselves, it's very exciting to be talking with Cody about his approach to his cutting-edge career in pro swimming. We've heard all about Cody's accomplishments in the pool, But what he's doing out of the pool is groundbreaking. His YouTube channel, Cody Miller Adventures, is the most prolific of any professional or Olympic swimmer with over 114,000 subscribers, and it's growing daily. He's got a huge following on social media. He produces a podcast where he talks with fellow elite swimmers, and as a self-proclaimed film fanatic, he's also part of a highly rated podcast where he talks movies. It might sound like there's not enough hours in the day to, for Cody to do all, do all this stuff, but he does, and with a smile on his face most of the time. I'm really excited about this interview, Kelly.
2: No doubt, we're going to learn a lot today from this celebrity swimmer, Maria. So, without further delay, let's welcome Cody to the show. Cody, great to have you here. Welcome to Champions Mojo.
0: Yes, wow, welcome, thank Cody. you guys so much. <laughs> You guys are so much more professional than I am. <laughs> you made me sound so good and accomplished. That was that was so nice. I'm smiling right now. Uh, thanks for having me. This is awesome. I'm I'm very excited.
3: We could have gone on. Yeah, maybe you don't know how how good you are, Cody. Let me just tell you, you're amazing. Yes, I mean, just besides <laughs> what, we we
2: we love it. We love swimming and we love talking to Olympic gold medalists. But what you are doing outside of the pool is going to be a really. I mean, most people who know you already know what you're doing. For those listeners that may not cross over into the swimming pool, we're going to get you another 100,000 here with just talking to kind of our non-swimmers and of course our swimmers will be interested as well. So, first, your story is truly incredible and I I I know people can find that elsewhere because we really want to kind of stick to professional swimming and what you're doing as a businessman. Just a couple of items if you could say when we see Cody Miller on the outside we see this golden, golden child, golden boy, um, Olympic gold medals, model good looks. You've got this great personality. You got a, you know, a beautiful, loving wife. People look at this charmed life, like Cody Miller. Man, he's just got it all going on. It must always have been so easy for that dude because he is like got it. And but looking at your your background, I literally was moved to. to chills when i read your story and i'm a you know i'm a deep swimming fan and i when you won gold in 2016 i did not know your background until i dug in for this interview and then i literally like spent hours studying your background so what are a couple of those huge challenges for maybe our non-swimming listeners that you've overcome to get to the top of that podium at the olympic games
0: Yeah, that's (laughs) interesting that you say. uh, From the outside looking in, it kind of looks like it was, it came easy. Or, um, you know, there's that. There's a a photo, like a really famous photo, where there's like an iceberg sticking out of the water, and you can only see the tip. Mm -hmm. And then it it says what what people see, and then what people don't see, and it's this mountain of work underneath it. And um, I always I always kind of think about that. For me, probably. The first biggest struggle I ever really had that people didn't really know about until, quite honestly, until I started talking publicly about it was I was born with a medical condition called pectus excavatum, which essentially is is sunken chest syndrome, so I look like I have a big hole in my chest. I had a few struggles with that. Um, Number one, I was extremely self conscious with the way that I looked growing up. Um, I was very uncomfortable in a bathing suit on the pool deck from a young age. I mean, I distinctly remember not wanting to take off my t shirt in gym class because I was afraid of getting made fun of. I was afraid of, you know, just quite honestly, the way that I looked. You know, I didn't like the way that I looked in the mirror. That was like a really big mental toll that uh, eventually I, you know, gained the self confidence to kind of grow out of. But it, it took many years to get there. So, Oftentimes when I talk to young kids, I tell them, I'm like, look, I'm this great accomplished Olympic swimmer now, but there was a point in time in my life where I didn't like the way I looked in the mirror and I know what it's like to be incredibly insecure and uncomfortable in your own skin. And what I've learned now looking back is that every single person, whether you're you know, a famous Hollywood actor, an Olympic athlete, professional swimmer, whatever – one thing that I've learned is that everybody has something about themselves that they don't like, and everybody has their own insecurities, and you just don't see those insecurities. And once you recognize that, I think it kind of lets you be a little bit more comfortable in your own skin, understanding that, you know, everybody sees, them, sees their own flaws, and that's okay. And it was a really long process for me to get over, you know, my, my, own, my own insecurities, and on top of that, you know, I grew up in, in a fractured household. You know, my, my my dad had drug problems all through high school. Um, me and my mom divorced him because he had debt collectors coming to the house, you know, trying to track him down. And, you know, essentially, long story short, he was, his his drug addiction became so bad that he was living homelessly for a number of years, um, refusing help or aid from any of our family members. Um, and that was a really big struggle for me was just dealing with the fact that, you know, my my dad was out there struggling and wouldn't wouldn't accept any help and, and, and I just I, I was struggling with not knowing what to do, not knowing how to handle it. Um and then unfortunately he passed away about six months before Olympic trials. That was kind of something that I just kinda of had to compartmentalize and kind of shove down and um kind of deal with after the fact. But I think, you know, kind of just kind of breezing over all these things, you know, it, it never came easy for me. There was always something that I was dealing with. You know, oftentimes you see people on YouTube or on TV and it's like, oh, they have these perfect lives. Oh, they're, they're accomplished. But the reality is everybody has struggles. Everybody has, you know, things that they have to go through. Everybody has hurdles that they have to jump. And one thing that I try to do in my videos and, and through my social media is, is show people, hey, you can have fun doing X, Y, and Z struggling through a swim set. But also, you know, I want people to relate to me, understand that, you know, I'm human, I've I've been through some stuff. And hopefully hearing that I've come out the on the other side okay and successfully, you know, then that might give somebody the 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 inspiration or the motivation to to kind of push through whatever they're dealing with as well. But I would definitely say that those are probably the biggest, the two biggest struggles that I've dealt with are number one, dealing with my own perception of my deformity. And then there's some medical, you know, there's a little bit of a breathing disability with it. You know, I've got a I kind of glossed over that, but, you know, I have anywhere from 10 to 20% diminished lung capacity, um, just because of the, just because of the inward, you know, torque of my sternum and then, you know, dealing with the death of my father and his drug problems. And, you know, so I've, I've been on a bit of a roller coaster, but, you know, honestly, I, I all those things made me better, right. All those things made me stronger. And, um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're doing okay. You know, everything's, everything's all right.
3: (laughs) I, I hear you doing in that answer, what I think you do really well, uh, in your public life, which is try to be really positive, but also you're real. You, you share the, you share the challenges. Is that something you've been deliberate about?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it just kind of came, you know, organically as I was, because as I started making videos and as I started becoming more prevalent on social media, it was like, okay, like, what am I, what am I trying to display? And what do I want my viewers to get out of this? And when I think about it from that perspective, it's like, I want people to have that ability to recognize flaws and recognize struggles, but then also still have a positive mindset when trying to work through those things, even when it's outrageously difficult. Um, So on one hand, I think I kind of do that naturally in my own life, but on the other hand, uh, I do try to make a distinction when, you know, when forming a video, when editing together, you know, say a swimming set where everybody is dying and struggling and, 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 and it's, and it's tough. It, you, you know, I, I want to show the struggle and I want to show how hard it is, but then at the, um, you know, at the same time, I want to show, Hey, like, this, you don't have to hate this moment. Like you should relish this moment where you're struggling because in the water, you know, speaking, speaking training in training terms in the water or on the bike or when you're running, you know, those are the moments when you're going to grow. Um, and that's definitely something that I want people to see.
2: Cody, you have, I mean, you, you say it's a roller coaster and it really life is a roller coaster for all of us. And you seem to have mastered this ability to, You know, obviously, you you mentioned the two biggest things kind of going into the Olympics. So when you come up against something that's, you know, really kind of stinks, like even in the last year, I'm looking at things that have occurred in your life or the last couple of years, you had the disappointment of not making the 2017 world championship team. Then, you know, this past summer, the wacky, ridiculous, you know, DQ on the relay. And then now, you know, the coach that you've been swimming under, for all these years has left you and, you know, for not your reasons, but, you know, things that happened to him. So even, even just those three things in the last two years and you've handled them fabulously. So when you come up against something hard, and I'm not talking about just a painful dentist appointment, I'm talking about (laughs) having the coach that you've swum with for, you know, all these 10 years gone or, you know, the DQ or, or not, what is your immediate, inner dialogue and mindset? And how do you visualize that happy moment down the road?
0: Yeah. So I think that I was raised in an environment where we were taught to kind of just press on and kind of push through pain. And what I mean by that is, so I, I want to make this as positive as possible. So I, I grew up swimming for a, a club team in Las Vegas called the Sandpipers of Nevada. And they're very much famous for being a program that grinds hard. <laughs> they, they go volume, they go yards. I mean, they've got 10, probably 10 or 12 high school kids on the U.S. national team, on, you know, doing open water swimming. And um, I'll never forget coming into coming into practice one afternoon, and my club coach Ron, Ron Aiken was writing just this pyramid I.M. set on the whiteboard, and it was an eight thousand I.M. Mm-hmm. And I remember in my brain, I was like, "How am I going to do this?" And and I remember getting in, doing warm up, and then we were starting this eight thousand I.M. and about four hundred yards into the into the this pyramid. I am my whole leg, like completely cramped up. Like I got this really bad Charlie horse. And, um, I was like sitting on the lane line and I was like, Ron, I was screaming at Ron. I was like, Ron, I can't do this. Like I can't swim. And he just turned around and he looked and he said, you better find a way and keep swimming. And in that moment, I was just like totally distraught. And in, in my head, I was like, I can't do this. And then when he said, find a way and there was no other options, but keep swimming. I put my head down and I started swimming slowly and I kind of shook out my leg. And within a, you know, within a couple, maybe 200 yards, my leg had kind of loosened up and it was fine. You know, it was temporary. But I realized looking back at that moment that you know, had he not forced me to keep going and, and kind of just kind of troop on, I probably would have given up and not even done that really long 8,000 IM set. right? And so I grew up in an environment where you know, the only option was to kind of forge on. And so as I've matured and gotten older and gone through some of these things, like you said, you know, I've, I've been disqualified at, at you know, at a number of high level meets and that takes a big mental toll on me. I mean, that it, it's painful. It's hard. Like I'm disappointed in myself. I've, I feel like I've, I've let my teammates down. I feel like I let down my fans. And, and that is something that, you know, I kind of have to have to, in the moment, you know, when those things happen, I kind of have to press on. And um, and then after the fact, then go through with thinking about okay, how do I how do I get better? How do I prevent this again? Um, how do I move forward? You know, last summer um, I tore my MCL on my left knee, and um, I had I had a bunch of micro tears in my knee, and I was training on it for a long period of time, and I didn't realize how bad it was until I got it checked out, and I mean it basically was a six month recovery process, and there were days when I went into the pool. And I didn't want to be there or I was disappointed or I was upset because I felt like I wasn't making progress. And basically what I'm trying to say is I was struggling on a regular basis. And what I realized when I was struggling and not making any progress was the reason it was so hard for me was because I was lacking joy and I was lacking that sense of fun. And Mm -hmm. being, you know, dealing with um, this major injury made me realize, okay, what, why do I really love swimming? you know, obviously like I have goals, I want to get faster. I want to, I want to make teams. But at the end of the day, the reason I fell in love with swimming was because I had fun and because I, I enjoyed the team camaraderie of pressing through a really hard set that you might have not thought you could have gotten through prior to. Right. And so I started having fun again and that helped me kind of get through it. And so kind of the silver lining and the underlying point is that I, I think number one, I was raised in an environment where, you know, you have to forge on, but number two, the way to do that is sometimes just putting a smile on your face. Sometimes just telling yourself it's going to be okay and and laughing about it, you know, helps you kind of forge on and get through those tough sets or get through those tough times. I hope I'm making sense. I feel like I'm rambling and people are I'm losing people right now. I have no <laughs> idea if that was gonna good maybe I just lost wait, everybody. Wait, 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 wait
3: <laughs> let me just add add a follow up question to that. So what you're saying is it was hard. You'd lost joy and you recaptured that joy by actually just making yourself put a smile on your face and, and, and telling yourself you were going to be happy?
0: Yeah. And part of that was, I, you know, this was around the time when I started making more videos and taking my YouTube channel even more seriously. And a big part of the videos was I wanted to show people how fun it can be. And in trying to do that, just basically showing people, you know, by making these videos, how fun it is at the pool, how fun it is, you know, goofing off with my friends, you know, with Blake and Lily, I was having fun doing that. Mm -hmm. And that's when I realized, okay, this is what it's all about. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, we all want to win medals, but you also have to enjoy the process because, you know, the process is everything.
2: Yeah. I, and Cody, I, as, as a swimmer, because I know the swimmers listening, um, I totally understood what you were saying and didn't, didn't think it was, you know, uh, people were being lost, but so when like, I'm, I, I'm a distance swimmer, you know, 4 am distance free. And you know, I've done sets. I come out of the end cap. It's now end cap. You know, where Katie and them mm-hmm. swim and swam for John Flanagan, who Andrew is Andrew Seliskar's coach. But um, we would do 1,000s. And I remember, you know, I would be crying in that. And like at number five, I'm like, oh, I can't make five more. And you know, they were on. A, they were getting faster intervals, and you had to perform better. And so, I. I so what I'm hearing you say, and I just want to clarify that. When you would get in the middle of an eight thousand, I am set, and you know you're halfway through it. You just there's just a black, dark place there, isn't there? That you're just like, I don't know that I can get through this, and then you do, and is that what you're? You know, when you have come upon something, or are like, well, I got through that, and I can get through this.
0: Yeah, I think it. I think it becomes a habit, right? It's it's looking at. It's looking at things as a glass half full kind of perspective, right? Like once when I find that when, when I'm training the hardest, when I'm training the most, and when you have those battles on a regular basis, it makes everything else a little bit easier, right? Because you, because you've become accustomed to that. And, and because, you know, I think as high level athletes, we develop this mindset where failure is not an option. You know, and, and sometimes with those struggles in life, it becomes, okay, sitting here and sulking and being disappointed is not an option. You know, we, 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 we develop these techniques and these tools to just, to move forward. And by, by realizing that you can, and that you have to, um, it just kind of becomes instinct, I think. And I think that those things are developed in the, in the pool when you're in that dark place and you're unsure, and then you come out on the other side of it and you're like, oh man. I, and that's like a satisfying feeling, right? Like when you, I've been there, I've done that 10, 1,000 set. And when you finish that 10, 1,000, you're just like, oh, I can't believe I did that. And it feels good. And you get a bit of a rush. And then, you know, when something else goes wrong, it's like, you know, suddenly it just becomes a little bit easier. And I really love that about our, about our sport, because, uh, you know, at the end of the day, our, our, sport is very much an individual sport, but at the same time, it's that team camaraderie sometimes of looking around, you know, when you're doing 3,100 short interval and you've got three seconds on the wall and you look to your left and your teammate gives you just a fist pump. And then you guys leave the wall together. Sometimes that's all the motivation you need. Right. And that's, that's just, ah, man, I love our sport so much.
2: Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, and Maria, you can relate to that. I mean, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I, you I, know, when you're riding your bike across the country
3: and getting no sleep for 11 days, you, you would just go mailbox to mailbox, right? Yeah, we we talked about breaking it down, like you said, by sets. But I, you know, one of the things you, I heard you say once, and I and I love this quote. I'm going to put it on my wall. The best feeling is after the pain, <laughs> it's just because it's so true. Once, once you do it, <laughs> it's great. And I think, you know, and in, in, in listening to your videos and, um, you know, and hearing your story, I sense and maybe this is wrong or maybe you've even said it, that you struggle with depression and that a lot of this stuff that you do keeps you out of the hole.
0: That's definitely true. You know, I've, I've been up and down with depression, not like serious clinical, like, you know, you know, suicidal depression. But I, I mean, yeah, I've, I've definitely been down in the dumps quite a bit. And swimming has definitely been my outlet or my safe place. You know, growing up, you know, whatever it was that I was dealing with, um, swimming was always a place where number one, I had friends and I felt like I was accepted. Um, and number two, it was something that I felt like I always had total control over. So, you know, my results in the pool or whatever I was getting out of every single practice was pretty much completely determined by me. It's like, how hard do I want to push? What do I want to get out of this? Um, and so it, it, yeah, I've, I've definitely struggled with a bit of depression. I've definitely struggled with, you know, dealing with, you know, not like, as I said earlier, not liking the way that I looked in the mirror and it's like, okay, how do I, how do I climb out of this? And um, ultimately, you know, forcing myself to struggle in the pool kind of helped me grow and helped me find my legs to, to climb out. Um, absolutely.
2: There's, there is a lot of talk around athletes and especially athletes that are in high press, pressure situations. Michael Phelps, you know, Allison Schmidt talking about depression and anxiety and how that, you know, has kind of plagued them on and off throughout their careers with your with, the you know, I think when one has really high goals. You know, you get really high, and you can fall really low. Do you, have you had anxiety with your depression ever?
0: I've definitely had moments. I don't. I don't see it so much as well. I guess you could call it anxiety. I've definitely had moments in my life where, take you know, the the few months following my uh, my knee procedure in uh, you know like October of two thousand eighteen, where. I was, you know, rehabbing my knee and I was only able to swim maybe 20% of what I would consider to be good training. And in those moments and during that period of time, I really, I really struggled with my sense of self because for the longest time, I, I always, I always viewed and perceived myself as this swimmer who is always pushing my own limits is always training as hard as possibly you know as, as hard as i possibly can all the time and and once that was gone right when that was no longer an option for me when i was when swimming you know when my results were no longer completely determined by what i was able to do in the pool when i was you know incapable of doing that i struggled with my sense of self And I was like, okay, like, who am I if I'm not this really good swimmer? And I think that that's something that a lot of Olympic swimmers and a lot of high-level athletes really struggle with. You know, I've, you know, I've, I've heard Michael talk about, you know, him dealing with his own identity, you know, post the Olympics, you know, coming back, you know, how do you come back from that? You know, I've, I've talked with other Olympic swimmers like Tyler Clary, a good friend of mine said, you know, after he won his Olympic gold medal. His, his entire life he was living this pursuit of, of achieving this dream and everything he did was devoted to achieving that dream. Every decision he made leading into that Olympics was for one goal. And once he achieved that, he didn't know what to do with himself. And he st- and he fell into a bit of depression and, and really struggled. And, and I think that that's a common thing. And so, I, I mean, I'm not sitting here as like some guru that has the answer to prevent that or solve that. Like, I don't know. But speaking from my own experience, the way that I've helped combat that and kind of eliminate that a little bit in my own life is just having balance. Right. Like I can still see myself as wanting to be the best breaststroker I can possibly be, but I have to have other things out, you know, other things outside of the pool that are, you know, equally as important. So that, you know, one day when swimming, when my swimming career is over, you know, I, I don't just shut down because, you know, once swimming ends, there's gotta be something else you know, I think that I think athletes need balance. But I mean, that's just that's just my opinion.
2: And that that is a perfect, beautiful segue into
3: Yes,
2: (laughs) what you're doing, because that that's really like, you know, I just wanted to touch on the depression and anxiety because we do it's it's like an epidemic in our society that there are billions and billions of people suffer. And I just thought, you know, just to hear that Cody Miller, does suffer now. And then that's with, with a little bit of that, that that's, I think that's really helpful. So, but you are balancing your life where you like, that's why we don't think of you as just a pro swimmer. We think of you as this,
3: um, businessman who is I think of you as a personality I'm not yeah. even a swimmer and I am totally engaged by your videos they're they're warm they're interesting to me and you know as I said I'm not a swimmer and I and yet I could watch every single one the ones about swimming the ones about you know 10 things you didn't know about Cody Miller they're just you're they're very very engaging if anybody out there who's listening hasn't you ne- definitely need to go to Cody's channel and watch them so i i i see is that part of who you are outside of being a swimmer
0: well first of all that's probably the best compliment you could give me i really really appreciate that i'm always fascinated when i hear from people who watch my videos that aren't regular swimmers um i think that that hopefully means i'm doing something right
3: yes (laughs) you know because
0: i i i I certainly try to structure it in a way that, okay, the, the swim workout I'm doing makes sense. People can kind of grasp kind of what's going on, but ultimately, you know, I'm, I'm trying to have fun while, while, you know, okay, so the way I describe it is like this. When I was a little kid, I was obsessed with obviously Olympic swimmers like Brendan Hansen and Aaron, and Aaron Pearsall and, you know, that generation of swimmers. And if you were to ask 13-year-old Cody what the greatest thing in the world would be, it would be if, if there was like a TV show where every single week, Olympic champion Brennan Hansen took me to his practice and walked me through his workouts, and I got mm-hmm. to experience it with him. That would have been the greatest thing in the world. And, and I think about that, and I think about that when I'm making these videos. I'm like, okay, what would I like to see if I was 13 again, idolizing these Olympic swimmers? Because remember, I was just like those kids not that long ago. And mm-hmm. so that's kind of what I shoot for. That's absolutely what I shoot for um, is, is making sure that it's fun and, and engaging and, you know, not too swim heavy. You know, I, I want people who aren't, you know, the highest levels of swimmers to be able to experience and enjoy my videos and the content that I put out there. So hopefully I'm hopefully people are enjoying it.
2: I I. I Obviously, I'm a swimmer and I love it. But even even ones that aren't heavy swimming, like I, I think whenever you retire from swimming, and I, like I said, I I think people should swim until they're 100. But <laughs> uh, if, you know, I could even see you and Allie doing like a cooking day and, uh, you know, this is our exercise day and this is our relationship day. I mean, you guys are both so, um, just so fun to watch. And, and so I, I really do, we do see this as something that, you know Cody Miller's going to be you're going to have this great career because YouTube is is it so what what kind of are your hopes for the YouTube channel futuristically
0: yeah i mean my youtube channel has really grown into something that i never really anticipated i, I it's it's kind of weird and in the best way it's really awesome um, because it was just a hobby that has kind of turned into this into this career, into this vessel that is, you know, providing, you know, that's helping put food on my plate, like literally, you know. So I, I have some pretty ambitious goals for my YouTube channel. I, I number one, obviously, want to continue to grow it. I have a, a big passion of mine is I, I want this. I want to leave the sport better than when I joined it. And I would like to think that hopefully, you know, the things that I'm doing and the concept that I'm creating is helping, you know, not just inspire swimmers, but it's, it's helping them find ways to enjoy it and have fun and, and really recognize that, you know, one of the beautiful things about our sport is that struggle and that pursuit and, and showing people that. Um, but back to your question, it's, you know, I, 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 w- I would hope that my channel will continue to grow and gain enough viewership that I can continue making videos. Because as, as long as the audience is there and the audience is supporting me, I can continue creating content for that audience. And I, I try to be as transparent with my audience as possible. You know, uh, just within the last year, I've started taking on you know, dozens of sponsors, new sponsors, which is great because for me it's 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 allowing me to justify the amount of time that I'm putting into doing this far more so than I would just a regular hobby. And you know, you know, long term, I I want to turn it into I have, you know, I I want to be as vague as possible because I have I have ideas for for different shows and different, you know, channels. And different things in the world, assuming that I want to do. But hey, I guess I'm not making any sense right now. I, I, I want to no, grow it, are, and I want are. people to enjoy it. But I think I think the most important thing is that people are enjoying the content that I'm creating, and that it's engaging, and that it's fun. I know I keep saying that, but that is really the most important thing to me. Because you know, I watch a lot of YouTube, and I'm only going to watch it if I if I'm enjoying it, if I like it, if I feel like I'm getting something. And I, there, are, there are a number of things that I want to do with my YouTube channel, especially when, you know, my swimming career, when I decide to kind of close the book on, okay, I'm no longer trying to be this high-level elite swimmer. Now I'm just going to be a regular swimmer, and it's going to open up these doors for me to spend more time into making other kinds of hopefully really fun, cool videos.
2: Wow, that does sound really promising. So, but right now you are a high-level elite international swimming league pro swimmer so let's talk about let's talk about pro swimming and and i you know we interviewed rowdy and rowdy Gaines. of course everybody knows rowdy and you know rowdy has been a longtime friend of mine And i'm like rowdy this is just so exciting there's just it's going to open up needs for everything from pro assistant coaches to pro head coaches to professional broadcasters to you know so it's just like there's so much that we need to to kind of build the infrastructure around pro swimming i even you know even on our podcast so this this is just just a a two-second view into what i see like swimmers need to start doing and you're already doing it that's why i call you we call you pioneer cutting edge so when we interview swimmers (laughs) for this podcast. And they're pro swimmers. They're high level swimmers. I mean, we're talking people with resumes and gold medals and NCAA titles out the yin yang. And I'll I'll look at their social media and they'll, they'll be nothing. Like they don't have any followers on. So I feel like someone needs to start guiding elite swimmers that want to get sponsorships to say, you know, okay, you need to start building your Instagram page and your you know, your YouTube channel and you're, you are so far ahead of the curve, you and Michael Andrew, that's it. That's something that I feel like there even needs to be a class taught in, you know, college, (laughs) you know, like, you know, my alma mater is NC State. And when the, you know, some of those swimmers graduate, I'm still good friends with them. And, you know, and I'll tell them, Hey, you need to get your social media up. So you've done that. So let's talk about like maybe how you knew to do that or what you see. Let's start with that question. What you see are some of the real needs around pro swimming to make it blossom into this ability for you guys to make some big coin?
0: Yeah, I love that. We could do an entire podcast just on this topic alone. Um, uh, I did a podcast yesterday talking about the ISL a little bit. And I I will say, I think that there's, there's two things. I think number one, the hope is that the ISL is as is as successful as we want it to be, you know, what thereby creating all of these opportunities and basically creating viewership. You know, hopefully the audience around the world and in the United States embraces this new league and this new format, and hopefully advertisers, you know, will flock and and um, and networks will will pay for this kind of content, right? So that, so that there's more eyes on us because the biggest thing is right now, swimmers are really only on TV once a year. And that's, you know, pretty much world championships or during the Olympic year at the Olympics. So, you know, maybe once, maybe two or three times a year. And really only one time during the year is it really popular. You know, I, I know that they show U.S. nationals on on NBC sometimes or on Universal Sports, but, you know, the ratings aren't exactly there. But hopefully this new league can change that to where swimmers are on TV, you know, 30, 40, 50 different times a year. So ultimately, you know, with there being more eyes on us, there being more chances for people to really know swimmers and get to know swimmers. So on one hand, we want the league to grow. And then on the other hand, you know, for professional swimmers, I mean, I've kind of taken it upon myself to to try and grow my own social media in the hopes of being able to continue my own swimming career. And what I mean by that is I, I wanted to find a way to be able to keep swimming, even if it wasn't at the highest level, but be able to keep swimming and support myself. And right now, the only way to support yourself as a professional swimmer is if you're top 16 in the world and you're good enough and you make athlete partnership agreement and and you can can make some decent money to support yourself. But it's not really the quote-unquote professional career that real professional athletes have. And that's what we're striving for. And so I really just kind of went out there and attacked it hard. And the way that I learned that was just studying other YouTubers. You know, I told you guys before we started recording this podcast that um, before I started making YouTube videos, I just stumbled down this rabbit hole of vloggers who were kind of recording their life and putting it out there for people to consume. And I just learned, okay, social media, just like anything else is all about consistency, right? So you have to show up to work to get paid. You have to show up for social media for it to matter, which means you need to post regularly and you need to post things that, you know, your audience or your followers might find entertaining and you don't necessarily have to be the most extroverted person in the world to do it. I mean, any swimmer can take a photo of himself with a GoPro at practice once or twice a week and throw it up on Facebook or Instagram. It's not that hard, but you have to do it regularly. So that's my, my one piece of advice um, is just making sure that it's regular. You know, for me, I make sure that I post a video on my YouTube channel every single week. I will not miss a Wednesday upload. There will be a video every Wednesday and, and sometimes more than once a week. But that's that's the biggest thing is you know, pe- know, people knowing that it's gonna be there. But really to get back to your question, sorry, I feel like I'm kind of tootling off no, toward...
3: no I that's love so, that so that's
0: so great. So that I love that. Keep, going. Love keep that. going, keep going. Uh, so, I'm sorry. So yeah, so so really to get back to your question. Number one, the league needs to be successful, and there needs to be viewership and eyes on the league, so that um, it, so that it happens organically. And then number two, I think that I think athletes really do need help with this. I think swimmers need help with growing their growing their quote unquote brand and growing their platform. And a lot of people just don't understand how to do that. I took it upon myself to just learn how to do it because nowadays we live in a wonderful time. We live in the greatest time in the world. If you want to learn how to do anything, you can YouTube it. You know what I mean. You can Google search just about anything, and you can teach yourself how to do something. And that's kind of what I did. It's like, okay, how how do I grow a following? How do I how do I create an audience? How do I cultivate you know something something special? And you and you look for trends and you look for things. And you know, at the end of the day, the thing that I learned is it's just that consistency. And I think that I know that there are there are classes on social media that you can take. I know that that's a big thing now, but I definitely think that that's something that USA Swimming should implement for USA national team. Um, I think anybody could benefit from that. Even just like a two hour, you know, or just like a one hour seminar on, you know, how to how to grow your brand just a little bit. Dude, I'm willing to talk to anybody about that. And but look, by no means am I like the world leading expert. I'm I'm a swimmer who is like whose grow to YouTube channel and is doing okay. It's not like I have millions of followers, but I want to help people
2: well you are the world leading swimmer with a youtube channel i
3: i would just i would just add to that that one thing that you do well that i think anybody who wants to grow their brand needs to do is you're very authentic you try to be honest and people can people can tell from a mile off if somebody is lying and your 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 videos are you know, an assortment of things, but there's there's always a sense that you're getting the real Cody. And one of the things about being out there and selling and creating a brand is you you have to sort of expose yourself. And I think a lot of people are uncomfortable with that. What would you say to that?
0: Yeah. I mean, what I would say to that is, look, I and people don't even believe me when I tell them this, but I am an introvert. I'm an introverted person. My my wife is the extrovert in this marriage, but you know, I've developed the ability to just kind of turn it on when there's a camera on me. You know, I kind of just ample up my energy a little bit. Um, and that that's that's very me, that's very authentic. It's just, you know, I'm I'm playing to the camera a bit and you know, some people aren't comfortable do, with doing that, and that's okay. Look, not everyone has to start a YouTube channel where you're talking about your life. But as far as just growing your social media, doing regular posts here and there, look, it's anybody can take a like. Like I just said, anybody can take a GoPro and take a photo of themselves underwater, or take a photo of a set that they're doing and post something somewhat regularly. It's not that hard. I mean, just babe, just you know, anything is better than nothing, and it just starts with baby steps. That's what I would say to those people. And you, you do not have to be the most extra person in the world to kind of put yourself out there on social media and there's always going to be people some people who are just totally uncomfortable with that and don't want to do that and that's fine but you can't complain about how you're a professional athlete not getting any sponsorships if you're not willing to put in the work that it takes to get there that's my that's my only piece of advice
2: i, I cody and that's just one of the things we love doing in this podcast just like you love doing your videos is Get, you know, having a lesson out of what we're talking about. And I absolutely love that lesson of consistency that, you know, that's, that's like you said, you show up for work and, and in life. And you, do you know the term pod fade? <laughs> it's a, it's a term that like, there's some statistic on all the, the podcasts that, you know, Libsyn and the, that, uh, of podcasts never make it past number seven. And so when Maria and I started this, we're like, we got to be consistent every week, no matter what. That is just like life, that you show up, you've got to be consistent. So I really hope that people are hearing that, not just with if they want to start a YouTube channel, but if they want to, you know win an olympic gold if they want to get the promotion at work if they want to lose the weight you know they've got to go out consistently and and run or walk or whatever so i i love that and obviously that for you is a routine or a ritual and i'd love to hear some of the things that you do routinely or even rituals that you have that you think have helped you succeed
0: yeah absolutely i think that consistency in just about anything is the number one most important thing on on the track to success. You know for me, being consistent in all the little areas that matter the most but are tiny little things that ultimately accumulate into being a big thing. And, and what I mean by that is the the little details. So like going to bed on time. You, know, you can ask my wife, she'll vouch for me. we do not go to bed past 9 p.m ever. Mm-hmm. Not even yeah. on weekends. Like this, this past weekend was like Halloween weekend. There were all these Halloween parties going around, and no, I was in bed at eight thirty on Saturday night. So mm-hmm. I I don't compromise on that. You know that that's a big thing: getting enough sleep, making sure that I have a bottle of water with me everywhere that I go, consistently drinking water so that I'm always hydrated because my body is always getting broken down. I, I'm always trying to repair it. You know, avoiding. Look, I love me some good ice cream, but I avoid ice cream. <laughs> I try, <laughs> I try to minimize the amount of ice cream that I eat. You know, maybe once, maybe once a week. Well, I, well, I treat myself, and it's just little things like that. Where you know, oftentimes you don't think much about it. It's like, oh, my show's on. I'll just give myself another thirty minutes. I, I don't have to wake up until seven tomorrow anyway. Or oh, it's just one bowl of ice cream. It's not that big of a deal. I did well this Wednesday. It'll be okay. But those little things that I don't compromise on ultimately, I think do two things. Number one, I think that they build up to allowing me to train at a higher level, you know, from a swimming perspective. And then number two, it gives me that mental edge, you know, leading into the end of the season, I'm able to remember all those little sacrifices and all those little things that I've done well, that I've, I can honestly look in the mirror and say, I've prepared myself to the best of my ability. And there's no what ifs, you know, there's no second guessing. Because all the work has been put in and then some, you know, I didn't just work hard when I was in the pool. I took that extra 15 minutes to stretch out after practice before I laid on the couch, like a, you know, like a lazy slump, like I like to do, you know, so I I think it's, I think it's those little things. I mean, it certainly, it certainly hasn't steered me wrong with swimming. So I would imagine that it probably applies to other things as well.
3: (laughs) Are you, are you that disciplined about, I know you produce a, you, you post a new video every Wednesday. Are you that uh, disciplined about like the time or day or that you do those?
0: Oh yeah. So for me right now, my number one focus is training for Olympic trials. So I won't edit footage after 8 PM because if I'm staring at a screen, you know, within an hour of when I go to bed, it messes with my, my ability to fall asleep or I'm thinking about the edit in my brain. So I limit myself on number one, how much time I'll spend editing. And number two, when I will edit so like during the day in between practices is good. And then, you know, it's, it's time management. It's like, I, I won't allow editing the footage or doing audio corrections or going in to film a sponsored video or whatever. Um, I won't allow any of the, all those things are, are secondary to training right now. Um, and there, but there, you know, in another year or two, there'll come a time when that switches, when I'm still in the swimming world, I'm sw- still swimming regularly, but the number one focus will be on producing those videos and, and that's okay. And that's something that, you know, I'm looking forward to, but, um, right now, yes, I definitely carry over that discipline into, into making my videos. That's great.
2: It's really fabulous. Well, really, I feel great. like Maria, I feel like we have gotten a great message for our listeners out of this. So I don't want to go any longer because we have the fun <laughs> questions. We do always ask the last question as, Cody, is there anything that we have not covered that you would like to share with our listeners?
0: Wow, you really put me on the spot here. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I don't I, I don't know. I, if your viewers don't know who I am, don't be so shocked when you see that I'm like the world's biggest Harry Potter fan. Um, <laughs> my wife and I- <laughs> my wife and I took Harry Potter engagement photos in our robes and our wands. And I'm literally (laughs) recording this podcast in a, in a room that is decorated with Harry Potter toys. So uh, that's the first thing that came to my mind. I don't, I don't know if that's, if that's a good, if that's what you're looking for, but uh, I think that's great.
2: (laughs) That's a great one. That's, that's as authentic as it gets. And that's what, that's what people love. All right. Now uh, we call it the the fun round. We call it the sprinter round. uh, And you definitely can sprint and, and swim. You, you, you've you got them both you, you got the 200 covered and the and the 1500 so um so i'm <laughs> going to start and it's just it's just an either or they're just fun we we've tweaked a few of these for you but nothing nothing major Take okay cat or dog
0: dog
2: mission impossible or born identity
0: oh that's a hard one <laughs> wow wow I'm going to give the slight edge to mission impossible because the last few movies have been so good, but I love the, the, the original three born movies. So much. I'm sorry, this is supposed to be fast. I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> oh no. Take your time. Milk chocolate or dark chocolate?
0: Uh, milk chocolate.
2: Kickboard or no kickboard?
0: Uh, definitely kickboard. I love me kick. I love kicking with a kickboard.
2: Yeah. Who doesn't who, like so yeah. many people say no kickboard. I'm like, come on. Anyway, mountains or beach?
0: Oh, uh, I'm going to go mountains. I, I, I love the beach, but I, I really don't like sand. I hate
3: sand. Um, <laughs> oh, <that sounds> great. <laughs> uh,
0: but, but I, I, it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough.
2: I love it. Foot, football or baseball,
0: uh, football,
2: iPhone or Android
0: iPhone for sure. I, I literally just got the new iPhone just yesterday because I needed it for the camera for my videos. Really oh, scientific. cool.
2: Coffee or tea? Uh, tea. Morning person or night owl? I think you've already answered that one.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm a, so I'm a morning person. I like. I have this argument with my wife all the time because okay, my wife is a savage. She wakes up and she is ready to go. And I mean, she's ready to, to have a conversation. She's smiling. She's she's just she wakes up and she is the same person at noon as she is at five thirty in the morning, and it's insane. <laughs> I I'm a morning person, but it takes me a little time to boot up. Like, I don't want to have a conversation with you at 5 a.m. when I, when my alarm goes off. Like I'm, I'm in a bad mood sometimes when I get up, but I still prefer getting up because it just, it, I, I get a sense of satisfaction out of, out of getting up when I don't want to. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a messed up person. I don't know.
2: <laughs> okay. And the, the last one for all of us women out here, boxers <laughs> or briefs.
3: <laughs> Sorry, Kayla, go ahead.
2: Did you hear it, Cody? I laughed over. It.
0: I did not hear it. She was laughing so oh, okay. hard. That's great. All
2: right. I said for all us women out here, boxers or briefs?
0: Uh well, I like both. I wear briefs regularly, but I sleep in boxers. So <laughs> I, I guess I would lean towards briefs. Yeah.
3: Okay.
2: That's such a Good. funny
0: one to end on. I love I that. I know.
2: <laughs> you know, but no, there there are a few more. Maria.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah, we're we're um
3: For just for you, we have a list of movies we've come up with and we want you to to, uh, give the movie a grade A through F or just say any single word, any single word that comes to mind when you hear the name of the movie.
0: Okay. Jerry, Jerry Maguire. Great movie. B plus. The Matrix. Oh, one of the greatest. I have a poster of The Matrix in my garage. One of the greatest science fiction films. One of the greatest films ever made. That movie's an A plus.
2: I agree. That is my favorite movie of all time, Cody. The Matrix, A plus.
0: Oh, sorry. It's, it's so it's Hallelujah. so good. I mean, just, it's you, so. Kelly? We're, we're I, gonna we're gonna get off topic here. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop.
2: No, well, okay. I do want to say though, Maria's A plus was number one.
3: <laughs> Your B minus was my A plus. I live. That's my bible. Jerry, everything in Jerry Maguire, I live by. Anyway, okay. Blade Runner.
0: The original Blade Runner. Yes. Um I'm one of I'm one of those oddballs that I don't love the original Blade Runner. I I mean it's like a solid B. It's a good movie, but I just I don't I don't know. I I wasn't an, I I, I it, it came before my time. So like clearly, you know, I'm I'm probably not the right one. But I will say Blade Runner 2049 was my favorite movie of the year when that movie came out. That movie mm-hmm. was insanely good.
3: Okay. Planet of the Apes the 2019 version
0: I really liked those movies far more than I thought I would. Uh, Rise of the I remember seeing Rise of the Planet of the Apes, the reboot, and I was like, "Wow, this is actually really awesome." And Dawn of the Planet of the Apes was even better. Man, Andy's Circus, I am an Andy's. I love that guy. It, those are great movies. They're they're really fun movies. Okay, uh, a forty year old virgin. Oh, one of the greatest comedies of all time. One of the first. Movies I remember distinctly crying. I was laughing so hard, like just tears <laughs> of just joy. It's so funny. It's it so is. funny. And I that movie definitely came out when I was too young to watch. Like I was definitely too, like should not have been watching it when I was watching it, which made it even better. Yeah. Okay. Wonder Woman.
3: The
2: new Wonder Woman. The newest.
0: I thought. I thought. What I thought Wonder Woman was awesome. I thought, and I'm super excited for Wonder Woman '84 or 1984. I think it's going to be great. But I thought that movie was just kick ass. All right, Blades of Glory. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I quote that movie pretty pretty regularly with my friends. Uh that's an A+. Plus. Uh, I love Will Ferrell. That's a Yeah.
3: Movie. Yeah,
2: A+. Plus, a, a plus. Everything
0: Will Ferrell does is great. Uh and last, Harry Potter. Oh, you hit me right in my heart. Just <laughs> just my favorite. Uh my favorite Harry Potter movie is probably the Prisoner of Azkaban, or I consider the final two movies to be one giant movie, The Deathly Hallows, because I mean they just split one book and made two movies. But that's just I, I I've been thinking about rewatching that actually the last couple of days. Strangely, I love it. I love. I remember going to the theater every year for all of the movies. You know the the very first showing. I remember my mom taking me to see the very first Harry Potter movie at the Suncoast Resort Casino in Las Vegas when I was ten years old, right around Christmas time. I was so excited. Yeah, I love it
3: had you Had you already read all the Harry Potter books before you saw the movies?
0: So no, my mom took me to the movie, and I loved it so much that we went and bought the first two books because uh, those were the only two that were out then. And then I read those two books, and then from then on, I was hooked. But mm-hmm. the movie was my first experience. I saw the movie and then I got in. And then, you know, i I kind of grew up with those books. You know, I waited mm-hmm. in line at Border's bookstore to get them when they came out. That's cool. Awesome. Uh, the
3: last oh I, there was one question. What were? This is not having to do with movies, but what word comes to mind most when you dive in the water?
0: Hmm. Honestly, it depends on the day. Totally depends on the day. What word? That is such a, an interesting... I feel like this is something people should answer quickly, and I'm like blowing it right now. Um, <laughs> probably joy, honestly. I Because I, I feel like the thing that I experience when I dive in is joy, even when I don't want to do it. Even when I don't want to jump in the pool, like this morning I got in the pool at 6am and I was standing there and I didn't want to get in and I didn't even have a GoPro. I wasn't vlogging, but the second I dove in, I, it's like, it's like winning those little battles, you know, like you have little battles throughout the day. And if you, if, you know, for me, at least if I win them, I feel better about it. And I feel like I get to do that every day. When I dive in the pool, I get to win that little battle. So it's probably joy.
2: Oh, that's fantastic answer. Uh, awesome place to end. Cody, it has been such a pleasure and we so appreciate your time and all you're doing for the swimming world and the professional swimming
3: and you know, we really wish you all the best. And for and for the kids out there who are watching your your YouTube, you know, the ones you're trying to encourage, you're you're doing it. It's fabulous.
2: Yes. And uh one thing oh, we you do so with much. champions. I appreciate that. Yeah. We 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 want you to have the mojo. So now that you've been on our show, we are totally cheering for you and Absolutely. S- Yes. Yeah, envisioning great things for you and and you reaching all your goals and dreams. We we really want that for you.
0: Awesome. Thank you guys so much. This was awesome. This was uh, one of the most fun podcasts I've done in a while. So uh, Thanks, thank Cody. you very much.
3: Super Thanks fun so much for us. Have so, a great thank day. you so much, Cody.
2: Wow, Maria, there is a reason that Cody Miller is such a star and has so many people following him. What do you think?
3: Yeah, he's really, really fun to talk to, incredibly engaging, and he has such a great story.
2: Yes, and I just, I love his energy and how positive and giggly and just, he just, he just, you can just tell he's just (laughs) beaming this great energy um, throughout the interview, and and it was awesome. So we are each going to do our two takeaways, but we both agreed on we had to discuss this together at the top of the, the takeaways. And just, you know, it's, it's kind of a little lesson in the fact that Cody grew up with the condition of um, pectus excavatum, if I'm saying that correctly, where his chest was, you know, is caved in a little bit from that. And he felt, he felt self-conscious about it. And what's funny is I never noticed it. I I never noticed it. And so what were you saying, Maria, how, how, this is such a a
3: point for us to all take away. Yeah. Yeah. He considered that um, one of the big obstacles he had to overcome along, of course, with his, the difficulties around his, his father's addiction and death. But what I thought was interesting is he used this, this iceberg analogy. I think you were saying, you know, here he is the golden boy. And, and yet he said, really, you see something on top that's, you know, that I've, you know, Kind of created, but underneath that is like a big iceberg. This, you know, all of my difficulties and you know all of my successes, you know, ha- have built what I am today. And and one of the you know challenges and difficulties was his pe- pectus excavatum and his self consciousness about that. So I love the the concept that even our insecurities can can be something that we can overcome and can build us st- and send us you know towards success. Yes.
2: Yeah. I, I just love that, that, the message that when we think, you know, everybody's staring at something or we've got this problem, most people aren't even, they're not even worried about it or they're not even thinking about it. So yeah. so it's so true. It's yeah. so true. Yeah, it's so true. Let's start with our first two takeaways. Let's do one each. And uh, what was your first big takeaway that you felt we want our listeners to kind of really grab? Because there was so much. We really had trouble honing it down before.
3: Yeah, I, I I I loved I have joy written all over my notes because I liked his his attitude around joy. So one of the things that really stuck with me is he said when when we were doing the fast round he said, uh, what's the you said the word that you think of when you're diving when you first dive into the water? And he said, Joy. And then he went on to explain that it wasn't joy because oh, it feels so good to dive in the water and swim, but it's actually very difficult to get up early in the morning and dive into cold water and swim. But the joy came because he'd won that little battle, and so mm-hmm. he he used that that attitude and idea throughout the interview he shared with us about how he would have to work on, you know, creating joy and choosing joy in his life. Um, he. He, when he was struggling with his knee injury and not being able to work out as hard as he wanted to, he found himself sort of down and he, he started creating the YouTube videos and he realized, wait, wait, this is something good I can I can bring out there and it it is fun. And he started to realize, yeah this is this is this is great. So he he was choosing joy and and part of that, I think, is his desire to serve others. And he, I think he's very unselfish in that. he said that he wanted to leave the swimming world better than he found it he wanted to he wanted to make his his chosen sport there better and his desire to help kids you know he he's creating these videos because he wished that he had them when he was 13 so i i love his deliberateness about choosing fun happiness and joy even when things are difficult
2: absolutely yes that is really one of one of the great attributes that Cody has, for sure. And I'm going to tie that one into one of the things that he does so well is his balance. So not only, you know, he's an Olympic champion, he's he is definitely focused on the Olympic trials that he said, if he has to choose between You know, editing. If it's eight o'clock at night, he's not going to edit videos. He's going to get ready to go to bed one hour before his his definite bedtime of nine o'clock, because swimming right now is his priority. Maybe in the future that will change, but that he really does these beautiful, a beautiful job on working on these videos on his YouTube channels on his followers because it gives him balance. He's not just a swimmer, and I loved where you said well, Cody, I'm not a swimmer and I really enjoy your videos. And he said that was a really high compliment that you paid him, Maria, which was that you don't see him as a swimmer. You see him as this, you know, a, a personality. A, a personality. So he loved that, and that. And that's the balance. And I think that's something that when we all put all our eggs in one basket, sometimes, you know, you can lose the balance of those scales when everything's on one side. So I think he does that. Balance piece really well, and that's kind of the you know the theme of um, the show is that he's he's a cutting edge professional swimmer. So yes, definitely a very very cool part of the takeaway is that we need to have balance in our life.
3: Yeah. It's funny because that's sort of counter to the focus that you need to succeed. So somehow you have to balance the the real need and he is focused. And I liked how he put it because he said, I'm focused on swimming right now, but I can see a time in the future where I will want to do something else. So I think that, you know, that's really key that he knows that he's going to have a life that's beyond, you know, professional or super elite level swimming. So I agree with that. That was That's a great takeaway, Kelly.
2: Great, great. So, so what was your second one?
3: Okay, so uh, the other thing that I loved was this concept that he mentioned. I think he even called it compartmentalism for success. So he has had to compete with some really difficult things going on in his personal life. And he's able to do that because... He can compartmentalize them, and I think that that's that's you know a a really good and sort of a discipline skill to have because we can't just we can't just wallow in misery. You know, you know, if things are things are going badly in one area of our lives, we still have to get up and do whatever it is we're supposed to be doing. In his case, swimming. So he says, uh, one of his quotes is, "Sitting and sulking is not an option." and this is a guy who has had lots of opportunity to sit and sulk and clearly he has not chosen that so i like the idea of okay here's a here's a person a champion who's in part come to this because he's been able to say okay bad things are happening in one area of my life but i'm going to just focus on something that i have control over which is swimming or whatever it is, you know, is in, in the case of when his knee was injured, he was able to work on the YouTube stuff. So he's obviously able to put little walls in his life to, to, to succeed. And I thought that was, that's yeah, a super duper champions attribute.
2: Yes. And that's, um, we love collecting attributes of champions and that's a rather novel one, which I love that he pointed it out and that you actually pulled it you know, out of the interview as one of the traits of champions, So loving, loving the compartmentalizing for success. That is a, that's a great one. So the, my last one, and you know, like we always recommend, we don't try to just redo the whole interview. We really recommend you listen to the whole thing because there's so much. um, And the last one for me that just really stood out was consistency. And I'm going to tie consistency into the habits that he had because Mm -hmm. I think if you're consistent with your habits, that is what really builds the staircase to the top of the Olympic podium, Uh, that he said, you know, the reason he's had such success on YouTube is he, every single week, he puts up a video. He just just Mm -hmm. makes himself do it. He's consistent with Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I love that he, he gave some free advice to swimmers out there, and, you know, every... Swimming as a pro swimmer is now a real career option for a lot of swimmers. And if they want to become, you know, if they want to get more sponsorship and they want to get out and make more money, then they do have to have some social media presence, some presence out there on the Internet and consistently posting or making videos or, you know, whatever to get out in front of the customers and,
3: and, yeah, he said it doesn't take long. You just, you know, take a little picture of yourself and just post regularly. Yes. I love that advice. That, yes. as, as you said, that's part of the consistency. But he had other things, right?
2: He had um. The, then just I love the small little things that all add up to success, which was he um, avoids ice cream, you know, which he consistently <laughs> avoids. That, he that says hurts. it hurts, <laughs> but he goes to bed. You know, every night at nine o'clock, no matter what. He said, even though, you know, it was Halloween weekend, um, he still was in bed at nine o'clock. So I love that. And he said he makes a habit too of another habit of seeing the glass as half full. He hmm. makes that choice to see the glass half full instead of half empty. And that's a habit. So I just, I love that he can, he knows that consistently consistently doing things over time will lead to success. So that was my, you know, one of two, but I had a whole page full of notes like you. And, um, I, you know, it was just, it was such a pleasure and an honor to really get a little deeper, um, into Cody's mindset. And I think it's, it's truly the mindset of a champion.
3: Well, I remember one of the last things he said is, when it's game time, I remember all those little sacrifices. And when I look in the mirror, I know I did everything I could. <laughs> and I just, yeah. that, that's such a great thing that we've talked about that before. That's not a, every champion has told us that. But yeah, if you do all those little things, when you're standing at the starting line of whatever it is, you can say, yep, I did all those things. I did everything I could.
2: Well, Cody's doing them. So we're yep. hopefully going to see some great things out of him this 2020 whether that's a uh, as a youtube or personality or an olympic swimmer either way he's a winner so yep he sure is awesome well maria another one in the can as they say and um just love that you're on this journey with me and uh thanks for sharing all your
3: your takeaways today i love you too kelly this has been so fun and cody miller was a especially terrific one yep all right love you all right love you bye-bye, bye-bye.
1: This week's Quote of the Week comes from Cody Miller. With those struggles in life, sitting here and sulking and being disappointed is not an option.
2: We are so grateful that you spent this time with us today, and we hope that you heard something that inspired, motivated, and educated you. Signing off for myself and my champion co-host, Maria Parker, we hope you'll join us again soon, and we know you can be a champion. Thank you for listening, and please see below for a copy of the show notes, for any links or important information that we've referenced here.
1: You've been listening to the Champions Mojo podcast, designed to make you feel inspired, motivated, and educated. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Also visit championsmojo.com to learn more.